about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian." All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, friends. Let me add my welcome to Andrews. It is so good to be with you. And here tonight is actually Harper Lefkovich, all the way up the back, little Harper, waving the Harper. Hi, Harper. Great to have you in church with us. We are church family. We look forward to getting to know you a bit later. Friends, we're starting a new series today. We're going back to an old series. Last few weeks, we've been looking at the prophet Elijah and the strange things that happened through the contours of his life. And As we now walk toward Easter through Lent, we're going to look back to the Gospel of Luke and walk with it to with Jesus to the cross. Now that might seem like a bit of a gear shift, but in these first few weeks in particular, there are these stunning parallels between Elijah and Jesus. And actually we see Jesus in a fresh light by having Elijah in the back of our minds as we walk through it. And so I'm really hoping that that will happen for us as we walk through this part of Luke. But perhaps the question to have in the back of your mind as we look at today's passage is this. What are you here for?
It might seem like a bit of an existential question for a Sunday evening. My apologies for that. But seriously, why are you, what are you here for? What's your purpose? What do you understand yourself as doing in this time in your life, in this planet? The pandemic has thrown a lot of people off the course of the purpose they thought they had and onto another one. The great resignation has happened. People have moved between cities in increasing rates. People are questioning how to live in the spaces they live in and what it means to be in cities and communities again. Purpose has been thrown up in the air. And it's the same for us as a church, not just individually, but collectively. Why are we here? We got shut down for a bit, didn't we? Through lockdown, but now we're gathering back together and gaining pace as a community. But what is it for? What are you here for? What are we here for? We could ask these questions for the next 20 minutes and perhaps not get very far. So we're going to ask a slightly better question. Why was Jesus here? What was his purpose and what was his mission? Because in Luke 4, we have this wonderful passage where we get the Lord Jesus explaining his mission statement. And he tells us what his purpose is in his own words as he understands scripture. Not in the way we remember him or have molded him or in accordance with our culture or whatever we expect, but his words about his purpose. And what we find as we look at his purpose is that it seems to collide into ours and reorient our own. So let's walk through this passage and look at how Jesus understands his mission and his purpose and let's let it collide with ours and see what happens. I've got three things for you this evening about Jesus' understanding about his own purpose. And the first one is this. Jesus came to preach good news to the poor. This idea of preaching is the first thing we get when we land in this passage. In verse 14, there is a summary of his ministry. He returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spreads throughout the whole countryside. And what is he doing? He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. The ministry of Jesus was a ministry of teaching and preaching, of proclaiming. And we get this summary statement at the beginning of the passage, and then we zone in on one time when Jesus was in a synagogue in Nazareth as kind of an exemplar of his type of preaching and teaching. And so we enter into the synagogue in Nazareth, which is Jesus' home synagogue. This is where he grew up. He's a boy of this town. They know it. And the scene in which this all happens, Luke kind of dials up the electricity of the scene to let us feel the weight of what it meant to be in the room. He does this through lots of little things he, do, he says, little movements he describes about Jesus. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Notice now how he slows everything down. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Then he rolled it up and gave it back. And he sat down and everyone was looking at him. 
Do you feel the beautiful tension in the room? This was a moment, and Luke is trying to narrow us in on it. Jesus has just been in the desert with the devil, dueling with him, and comes out in the power of the Spirit. This is his moment. This is for the the time when he unveils himself and his ministry and his purpose to the world. And he chooses a quote from Isaiah to do it. And what is his quote? What is his purpose? Why is he here? The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here is the one with ultimate spiritual authority and power who has defeated the devil in the desert. Why does he come? To give good news to the poor. To come alongside the prisoners. To help the blind see again. And to set the oppressed free. This is Jesus. You know, he comes for the poor. Not a figurative poor. The real poor. The down and outers. The excluded. Those who are penniless. The shamed. The cast out. The enslaved the mess-ups and the nobodies and the nothings, those who've had all their power taken from them. Jesus comes for people like them with good news. It's a wonderful thing. I love the summary you get a bit later in Luke 4, 22. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. You see, Jesus was a preacher of good and gracious news from God. Just slow down on that for a second. Because very easy for our vision and our picture of Jesus to build up with all types of clutter of what we expect he might be like toward us, of what he might expect, we might expect him to be in our world. But here in this synagogue on the Sabbath in Nazareth, They found him good and gracious. In Isaiah 61 that he quotes, he misses the line where it says, he will bind up the brokenhearted. This is Jesus. This is the Jesus that still speaks to anyone who wants to listen. See, he addresses the poor because they'll receive good news because they don't have anything else. And he preaches to them as a way of saying he'll preach to anyone. And with what if you have this evening, he speaks good and gracious news to you too. Because that's what he came to do. And that's what he still does. And this evening he wants to fill up your heart with good news. What is that good news? Well, he announces through Isaiah 61, he is the herald of the time of freedom. That's what he does with this quote uh, from Isaiah 61. Well, actually, he, 
the, the way Luke tells it, he kind of changes it a little. And he changes it in a way that's important. He brings out a certain emphasis to it. The second last line, to set the oppressed free, isn't in Isaiah 61. It's in Isaiah 58. And Luke has inserted it in to repeat the word freedom twice in quick succession. And he's summarizing Jesus' preaching by making it about declaring freedom. Jesus is a liberator. The good news is about him freeing people, about an age and a time of freedom that he is bringing about for God. Jesus is a liberator. And it dovetails beautifully with that last line, the year of the Lord's favor. That's a phrase that doesn't mean much to us, but would mean something to those listening. The idea of a year when favor is given is an old Israelite idea about a year named Jubilee, a year when a certain uh, favor was announced to all people. Here it is from Leviticus 25. Consecrate the 50th year, they counted kind of 50 years, and proclaim liberty, literally proclaim freedom. Same phrase as in Isaiah 61 that Jesus quotes. Proclaim freedom throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and, and sells themselves to you, don't make them work as slaves. They're, they'll be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. They're to work for you until the year of Jubilee. Then they and their children are to be released. And they all go back to their own clans and to the property of their ancestors. The Jubilee was a time of complete economic reset of social reorganization, of the releasing of those who'd sold themselves to, in order to deal with the difficulties of life, to, to stop endemic cycles of poverty that just went down and down and down unless they were stopped. See, Jesus understands himself to be proclaiming a greater day of freedom, an ultimate day of freedom, a day when debt is dealt with on a whole other level. His good news is of a day of liberation. Now, sometimes when we read these verses, we can think of, the, well, this is just a spiritual thing, a spirit, spiritual freedom. And it is. It's a spiritual freedom. But it's also much more than that. Jesus has just defeated the devil in the desert. He goes on to heal the sick and raise the dead. In him arrives a liberty that is spiritual, yes, but also physical. It not only liberates the soul, it liberates the body, it liberates the world, it liberates the universe. And what Jesus says in the hearing of those in front of him is that today, he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The day of the Lord's favor is today. That day in Nazareth, as Jesus begins his public ministry, the time of freedom comes. The great day of jubilee, the great era of freedom is opened up by Jesus himself. 
you know, this idea of Jubilee reminded me of a story that I think I can tell today and then I'm going to shell forever because it's too old. For the young people in the room, there used to be these stores you could walk into and borrow DVDs from. Video Easy was one of them, Civic Video, other things. If you're confused, ask someone later. And a pastor I used to work with went to one of these stores one time and borrowed a Thomas the Tank Engine DVD. Fairly, you know, fine. Brought it home, ended up in the back of the cabinet. Week, month, months, 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 year beyond a year, he finds it again. For those of you who don't know, that's like an extortion level of debt to a video store. Like they own you, they can repossess your house at that point. And he's a pastor, he's a, he's a man of integrity, honesty. Most people just keep the DVD and forget about the video store. But he's cut up inside wondering what to do, not sure whether to go in or not, or doesn't have the money to pay the thing, but probably should anyway. And as he's mulling it over, a postcard comes in the mail from Video Easy, and he's thinking, oh, here's the debt collector coming. And he turns it over, and the other side it's written, we're wiping the slate clean. Please come in, and all debts have been cancelled. Please just return the DVD. You know, it's Video Easy's Jubilee. The day when the debt was cancelled. The day when the bond was cut. The day when freedom was decreed. God in Jesus has ended your debt. And you are now free. You are not bound by the sin you think you are bound by anymore. You are not bound by the death that will come. You are not bound even under the wrath of God. You are free. Truly free. Finally free. In a way that you'll feel a little bit now, but one day you will finally feel when the whole world is released along with you. You have been liberated. And nothing in this world can touch it. That is the good news that comes to us in Jesus. It is spiritual to begin with. But you know, Jesus, all through this announcement, talks about the poor and the blind and the captive and the oppressed. It is also a summons to the way of life he's about to summon people to. A way of addressing and loving the poor. And a way of handling money. He's, he's signaling that as well. You see, liberated people liberate. And those who have been freed, free others. That's why there are Christian brothers and sisters on the borders of Ukraine trying to stop the trafficking of children in a vulnerable moment. It's why brothers and sisters around the world are releasing the poor in the name of Jesus, the great liberator. Because we live in the great age of freedom that Jesus brings about through his ministry. And there is no bigger thing to shift our imagination about the poor and about our world than that. 
You see, because in the end, and this is what we find at the end of this passage, that Jesus' purpose, his mission as he unpacks it here, it really does ram in, collide, and challenge the scope of our purpose, of our own understanding of our own life and what, what it's for. I mean, the end of this passage gets a bit, a bit violent and awful, really. And, and it's really interesting how it unfolds because it's not the, the crowd who starts it. It's Jesus. Jesus goes after them and provokes them. It's really interesting. Have a look. They all spoke well of him and were amazed at him. Verse 22. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked, which is just innocuous. It's like he's one of our people. He's, one, he's our guy. He's a son of our town. There's not much to it, but Jesus sees underneath it something more sinister. And he says, surely you'll quote this proverb to me. Physician, verse 23, heal yourself. And, and you'll tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. You know, you're one of us. Do, this, do these amazing things here for us. You're ours. This belongs to us. Then Jesus says, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. Here's our Elijah reference, people. You're ready for it. Jesus says, you know, no prophet is welcome in their hometown. My ministry is not for you. My ministry is like the ministry of Elijah. In Elijah's time, he was not received, he was rejected. In Elijah's time, Israel was not good, they'd turned to Baal. In Elijah's time, he didn't minister to Israel, but to a poor widow on the outskirts of a foreign nation who was on the edge of death. Jesus was not for them, he was for her, for those like her. The foreign poor who had nowhere else to turn. But he keeps going. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet that follows Elijah. Andrew's going to talk to us about him later in the year. The prophet, yet none of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Naaman was the head of the, Ar the armies of Aram, this grand, powerful commander. And he got leprosy. And Elisha heals this foreign, powerful warrior. Jesus says, I'm, I'm, what I have is not for you. It's for the widow. It's for the unlikely. It's for the outcast. It's for the foreigner. It doesn't have a local reach. It has a global reach. It doesn't bound into different socioeconomic stratus. It's, it, it breaks them all. What we read next is that they become furious. They drive him out of the town. They take him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. It is a radical act of violence. And what we're seeing here is 
their understanding of what they want Jesus to do and what he wants to do just do not fit together. And, and, and they, don't, they would prefer just to get rid of him. And what we see here is that the mission of Jesus, it stretches our understanding of what we think we're here for. Because as this unfolds into Luke and into Acts, Jesus summons the disciples to take up his purposes. And we have these temptations that Nazareth had of thinking that Jesus is just for us in here. The good news is for us. Jesus says, no, it's not, it's not just for us. You know, the grace of God just keeps moving further and further out to, to further global nations and lower down the socioeconomic order to the poorest of the poor. In our heads and in our minds, we start thinking, oh, that type of person, they're never going to end up coming to church on a Sunday night. But Jesus thinks they will. And he wants them to hear the good news as much as you have heard it. What we see here is a summons to take up a higher purpose. To take on the global mission of Jesus. We're going to hear from our missionaries in the next couple of weeks about the global things we're part of. The way we pray for and support them is part of Jesus' purpose. We are summoned to, to lower our expectations and to, to raise our minds of the possibility of the people we think are unlikely are the people that Jesus wants to meet with his grace and mercy in the day of his favor. That if we were to take the, the mission of Jesus as the, the starting place for our purpose, then we would become types of liberators the poor and the oppressed and the broken. Because we've been liberated in our bondage to sin and death. Friends, this is why we are here. To be heralds of the same good news of freedom. To be freedom fighters in the name of Jesus. To summon the unlikely home. And to do good things in his name. You know, all of us, is, as I read this, I feel that the Nazareth in my own heart, the not want to go with this, they had a collective reason for it. We have an individual one. We don't want to hand that kind of stuff over. You know, Jesus manages to find a way through miraculously this moment. But only so he can die at a different time. In the same violent way. With the same violent reason that he might die on the cross for us to pay our debt and set us free. The day of liberation reached its climax on the cross and in the resurrection where he brought you out from under sin and death. See, that is the moment that frees us to take up his mission as our own in this day of the Lord's favor. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to meet us today with the same gracious and good tidings that our Lord Jesus gave in Nazareth that day of the freedom you've won for us in your Son. We pray we would know we are truly free and that you would enable us to let his purposes drip into our own. 
that we might be heralds and, and undertakers of the same freedom that we have received. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.